We talked about suffering for the name of Jesus and how the Thessalonians were patient and faithful during the persecutions and tribulations that they were being, uh, that were being put before them and how those trials were manifest evidence. They were a token of proof that they belonged to the kingdom of God. We also looked into the past at some of the first and second century Christian quotes as they saw this persecution hit them and the trials that came their way for the name of Jesus. And I want to read one to you that we uh, talked about last week. Tertullian in 195 AD said this, 195 AD, he said, with our hands thus stretched out and up to God, rend us with your iron claws. Think about that, iron claws. Hang us up on crosses. Wrap us in flames. Take our heads from us with the sword. Let loose the wild beasts on us. The very attitude of a Christian praying is one of preparation for all punishment. Wow. I mean, I can't even grasp that thought. But here were these first century Christians, these Thessalonians, Paul and all of his crew, Jesus, all of these guys in this time were being persecuted heavily for the name of Jesus. And we left off last week with this thought. Either what we believe, brethren, what we believe and who we follow is an absolute lie and none of it is true or it is true. And we as followers of Jesus Christ have some promises. I would rather believe that second one. How about you? I would rather believe that we as Christian have some promises and the one that we are following is correct. Because I remember Jesus making a proclamation that these little kids and these teenagers say every Sunday night at five o'clock, they say what Jesus replied in John chapter 14, verse six, when he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And nobody will come to the Father except through me. What a declaration. What a proclamation to the world. Jesus said there's only one way. So we as Christians, we as followers of Jesus Christ have some promises coming to us if we endure until the end. I want you to look with me. Second Thessalonians chapter one, and we've been slow walking through this chapter. I want us to look at verses four through seven real quick, just to kind of get us in the thought. Paul said, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God. Paul was excited to boast to the other brethren about the Thessalonians. Why, Paul? For their patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. And then verse five, he says, which is manifest evidence, <coughs> excuse me, of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. 
Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. What are those promises that we find in these verses? They are the righteous judgment of God. And the second thing, and we'll look at it next week, is rest. This morning, I want to focus our thoughts in on what it means to understand the righteous judgment of God. Why is this a promise that we as Christians should be excited about? Why is this a promise that we as Christians should find relief in? Well, I want you to think about two things and the lesson will be yours. The first thing is understanding the righteous judgment of God. It makes us as believers, as his children, strong. And I want you to follow this. This lesson is kind of going to build on each other. So I'm going to ask to ask for your undivided attention. No sleeping, no naps, no distractions. Children, be quiet. No, I'm just kidding. I may regret that here in a few minutes, right? You said, uh, last time I bragged about how the kids were so good, there was all kinds of crying and caring. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, I ain't never going to ask for that again. I'm never going to say that there's going to be no noise. But what a blessing it is to have you kids. I love you all so much. Cry, whatever you need to do. When we think of the Lord, though, when we think of his commands and how we as Christians should act in the midst of trying times, all right? Think about that. You know, if we're not careful, Satan is going to do something. Satan will trick us into thinking that we are weak when we turn the other cheek. He'll uh, try to get us to believe that we are weak when we go the extra mile, right? He'll try to get us to believe that we're not doing what's really right when we love our enemies. But why is that? It's because the world says that being strong is handling your business by force. See, what being strong is, is being the tough guy in the situation. See, what being strong by the world's standard is getting the last word in. Or flexing your muscles to show that you're not a coward. See, by the world's standards, intimidation is strength. But the Christian way, and can I get an amen on this? The Christian way is totally different. It's totally different. See, Romans chapter 12, verse 14 says this, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. See, verse 17 says, repay no evil for evil, but have regard for good things in the sight of all men. See, Romans chapter 12, verse 19 says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. See, you got to put wrath in its proper place, Christian. It's different than the world. See, the world puts wrath where I got to take care of it. But as a child of God, 
Paul says, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that we as children of God, followers of Jesus, put our wrath in another place. When we think of these Christian qualities, these commands, let's just be honest. Sometimes we don't want to follow them, do we? I mean, just be honest. Sometimes in whatever the situation is, we feel like, I don't really want to do that. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to say it, right? So why does the Lord want us to live this way? Why does the Lord want us to live this way? To bless and not curse. Because he wants us to be different, amen? He wants us to be peculiar, amen? He wants us to be light and not darkness like we talked about in class today. Amen? He wants us to live our lives for him and bring glory to his name. Am I right about it? But he also wants us to do this. He wants us to obey. And he wants us to obey him no matter what we think we should do. (laughs) Now that one's hard, isn't it? See, he wants us to obey no matter what we think is the best. But think about this as Christians. We can be strong in our faith as 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says. Y'all know the verse so well, right? To be steadfast, to be immovable, to always be abounding in the work of the Lord, right? And you remember what it says right after that? It says, because your labor in the Lord is what? Not in vain. Now, let me bring this back to the text. Why is our labor not in vain? Why does the Lord want us to be steadfast and and not moving and standing firm in what we believe in and what he says? And that when we do those things, it's not in vain because the Lord is watching. Amen. You ever thought about it? The Lord is watching you. The Lord is watching what we do. The Lord is watching what's going on in our lives. Now, brethren, it seemed a whole lot different when somebody was watching me at school. If nobody was watching me, I'll just be honest. I'll be honest. I don't, that's all right. I I mean, I put myself out there a lot. Back in the day, when I would take a test, I'd try to sit back in the back by the smartest kids. And when the teacher wasn't looking, I would say, give me the answers. Just give them to me. What's six? A, B. But what happened when the teacher looked at me? Well, I couldn't do it anymore. The Lord is watching. Now, why do I say that? Think about what 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12 says. It says, for the eyes of the Lord are on who? The righteous. And look at what this promise is. And his ears are open to their prayers. See, I don't have to worry about vengeance. See, I don't have to worry about getting back at someone. See, the reason why I'm not is because I'm told and you're told through the Bible that somebody else is going to handle that. Am I right? There's somebody else that's going to take care of that for me. 
Paul says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil, Romans 12, 21, with good. Now you remember what the second part of Romans chapter, follow me and I, I promise you'll get a blessing out of it. Just follow me and let me build this up. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. You remember the second part of this verse? It says, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. What the Lord has taken away from us is the worry of payback. See, what the Lord has taken away from us is seeking vengeance in our own hands. Because what's going to happen when we seek vengeance, brethren? You think we're going to handle it the right way? I don't think so. You think that when we're really angry and we really want to inflict hurt on somebody because of something that they've done, that we're going to do it the right way? We're out of control, aren't we? So what does God want us to realize? What is God telling these Thessalonians who are under heavy persecution? He tells them, don't let vengeance have power in your life. Why is that? Because we won't handle it justly. We won't handle it the right way. But he will. Amen? We just talked about it in Proverbs class. We talked about justice is only known by the standard of the Lord. Amen? The only just way, the only right way is the Lord's way. Now, think about this. We as Christians have to understand that one day there is really going to be judgment. Do you believe that, brethren? Do you believe what the Bible says when it says it's appointed for man to die once and then face the judgment? <laughs> See, think about this. And why is Paul directing these thoughts toward these Thessalonians about this judgment? Because these enemies of the cross, the ones then and the ones now who persecute us for the name of Jesus Christ, they'll stand before the Lord one day and have to give an account for their deeds against us. Now, brethren, sometimes that's hard for us to grasp, right? Because we're not facing these iron claws, as Tertullian said. We're not facing being wrapped up on a pole in flames, are we, brethren? In the midst of these struggles, in the midst of these times, doesn't it feel good to know that somebody has got your back? When do children feel the most safe? When do children feel the most protected? When they're with their parents, don't they? Huh? Am I right about it? I'll give you an example. We go to Libby's graduation and we turn around and there's my dad, there's my mom, there's Aaron, there's Jojo, there's Maddie, there's Charlene. Libby has a whole option of people that she can go to. Guess who she comes to, y'all? The bodybuilder. <laughs> the protector trip. She came to me. Brethren, I want to tell you something, and I don't want you to forget it. 
You may not be under persecution right now. You may not have somebody telling you that believing in Jesus is a joke, but I want to tell you something. The Lord is with you and he's your protector. Run to him. Run to him. Little children feel the most protected and safe when they are around their parents. So we as Christians should know that our Lord is watching and nothing is getting by him. How do you know that, Matt? Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul tells these Thessalonians this. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. Wow. Because of the persecutions that we endure, it is a righteous thing is what God says. That those who trouble us will be repaid with tribulation on that day. That should give us peace, does it not? Doesn't it give you comfort to know that God is with you and he is trusting that you're going to do what he asked you to do so he can protect you? And then there's the other side of the coin. Like I said before, like despite anybody comments, anybody's thoughts, what anybody thinks, friend, brother, sister, listen to me when I say this, judgment is coming. It's coming. Ephesians chapter five, verse six says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Remember what Ecclesiastes 12, 14 says, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So then when we think about what I just read, Ephesians chapter five, verse six, think about what he says at the end. He says, for because of these things, the evil things, sin, the wrath of God is coming. It comes upon the sons of disobedience. So understanding the righteous judgment of God should make us strong as Christians. It should bring us comfort to know that we're on the other side, right? That we're doing what God asks us to do, that we are his children and he is our protector. But it also makes us realize this and please, if you're here today and you're not a child of God, I'm pleading with you on this. Vengeance is coming. We don't want to talk about that stuff. Do we, brethren? I don't like that word, vengeance. I don't want to include vengeance with the God that I love, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. But look at what the Bible says. Look at verse 7. 
It says, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. And look at verse 8. It says, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And look at what verse 9 says. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. No wonder Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 9 he says, whether we're here or we're absent, what we make our aim to do is to be pleasing to him. And then in verse 10 he says, because we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will all be given according to our deeds, whether they're good or bad. And then Paul says this, knowing therefore the terror. Have you ever in your life been scared for your life? Have you ever in your life been scared for your life. You know, I think about those Jews in the Holocaust. Open up. As the Nazis came in. Could you imagine? I want us to get into our minds the reality that this Greek word terror is right on. This Greek word means something that strikes fear or dread. Paul says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. This isn't a joke. This isn't just some club that I'm a part of. This is reality. This is real talk. This is real truth. God is going to deal with sin one day. So knowing this knowledge, knowing this understanding, knowing this truth that brings us comfort as children of God, knowing that we are safe in him. And I want you to remember this word. If you don't remember anything else, Christians, remember this one. We should bring an intensity and I got it in all caps and it's in bold on my notes. We should bring an intensity to our need to share the gospel to the world. Can I get an amen? Wake up from the sleep. Wake up from the comfortable spots and the chairs. Wake up and understand that people will die without Jesus Christ because he is the only way. Do we have an intensity? Do we have a desire? Or have other things clouded our vision? Have other things been put in our way? Nobody else wants to do anything. That's why I don't do nothing no more. Really? Nobody else wants to do it anymore. So I'm not going to do it till everybody else gets involved, really. One man was nailed on a cross and everybody left him. 
You remember what Jesus said to Peter? Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat, boy. Sift you like wheat. But after you left, after you leave, after you do all those things, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. And when you come back, I want you to strengthen the brethren. How fired up was Peter after that? He stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached to how many Jews about how to be saved. There was an intensity. There was a boldness about them. That's why we act like we talked about earlier. See, the reality is there's no way out of this truth. The lie that the world has pushed is that no one really is going to experience eternal punishment, y'all. Everybody's going to heaven. Am I right? That's a scary thought. The Bible doesn't say that. I'm not trying to make something up that I heard at school. I'm reading it right here. Look what verse 9 says, brethren. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Now that moves me. That bothers me. Am I doing enough? Will you do something for me, brethren, right now? When you leave this place this afternoon, I want you to do something for me. And please do it one time a day for the rest of this week. Will you pray that I will be intense about telling somebody about our Savior? Will you? Will you? I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Those shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, separated from God forever. Friend, brother, sister, don't let the world, I want to say this and please hear me. I know you're going to understand and hear intensity, but I want you to hear this one too. Don't let the world convince you into ignoring the reality of what is going to happen when Jesus Christ returns. Don't let them fool you. It's going to be glorious for us, isn't it, brethren? Look at verse 10. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints. I love being called a saint, don't you? I love it. And I appreciate what Jesus did to allow me to carry that name. And I can't wait for him to come and for me to see him and for me to say, glory, hallelujah. And look at what Paul says. He says, when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe. And then he says, because our testimony among you was believed. Brethren, do we believe it? If we believe it, we got to be about it. But see, the misconception is this as well, that God is the one 
who is sending individuals to this eternal punishment. But the truth is, we choose that. Amen? We have the ability to choose the right way or the wrong way. I want to close with these thoughts. When we think about Jesus and we think about what he spoke about, you want to know what he spoke about more times than any other thing? Eternal destruction. Weeping and gnashing of teeth where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. What do we need to be saved from? We need to be saved from punishment of everlasting destruction, being separated from the Lord forever. We have no idea what that's like. You remember what Jesus said, the rain comes on who? The just and the unjust right now. Am I right about it? One day things will change. One day if you're not in Christ, you don't get to be with the Lord and all the blessings that come with it. He is with us and he wants us to put our trust in him because one day when the Lord returns, it's going to be something that we cannot imagine. But also, we must understand that if we know somebody who doesn't know God, you remember what he said. He said, it's going to come on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel. We're not talking about the God of the world. We're not talking about another God and another religion. No, we're talking about the God of the Bible. Amen. We're talking about Jehovah. We're talking about Yahweh. The God who told Moses to go talk to Pharaoh. We're talking about the God who opened up the Red Sea. We're talking about the one who shut the lion's mouth in Daniel. We're talking about the one who delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of a fiery furnace. You remember that story? Silver Threads folks do. You remember the guys that pushed the furnace? They were burned up. You want to know the most interesting thing that I found out about that story was? <laughs> this is great. They came out of the fiery furnace, and you want to know what the Bible says? They didn't even smell like smoke. Really? You know, if you even are, they was burning a fire across the street, and my whole house smelled like fire. I, I had to take a shower because I smelled like fire. I mean, I wouldn't even buy the fire. These guys came out of it and didn't even smell like it. You want to know who did that? The God of the Bible. Our God. Are we telling people about our God? And the other thing that we need to get out into this world is knowing the power of the gospel. Paul said it, that we owe it to somebody. We're a debtor. We owe it to a Greek. We owe it to a barbarian. We owe it to a Roman. We owe it to an African. We owe it to a German. We owe it to a Brazilian. We owe it to tell somebody 
about Jesus and why it's so important to be in Christ. I want you to use this as your verse. We started out with it and I want to finish with it. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. You know what that word justification means? It means just as if you never sinned. You want to know what that free gift that came to all men was? It's the gospel. Believing who Jesus is, confessing his name, repenting of your sins, being baptized in water, going in old and coming out new and living faithful to him. That's a free gift that God has given us. And you want to know who it came by way of? That one man's righteous act. Jesus Christ decided that he would never sin so that you could live with him forever. Is that not enough? One man's righteous act, he provided a free gift that you can come and get. And it will result as just as if you never sinned. <laughs> I say glory hallelujah to that because I need that. Maybe you're here today and you need prayers. I appreciate y'all. Thank you for coming, visitors. I hope you come back. I hope I ain't hollered at you too loud. I always holler and I apologize, but it's just who I am. And I, I always get told to be quieter and I'm working on it, but I, I, sometimes I just can't do it. And, and I'm sorry for that. But maybe you're here today and you need to become a Christian. I'm pleading with you just like Christ was inside of me speaking. Be reconciled today. Be added to his family and receive all the spiritual blessings that come with it. If you need to obey the gospel, if you need prayers, whatever you need, please come right now. Together we stand and sing.